0: there is so much we can do that is little to no cost that we just need to start integrating in bite-sized pieces throughout our lives. Um, It will get easy. Um, It'll just become kind of the backdrop of your day-to-day life and and it will support you um, in a lot of different ways.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks very much for hanging out with us again today. TLC presents Versations. I got to tell you, this show is one of the ones I've been looking forward to for a long time, got the books, and uh, I am so thrilled with the guests we have today. We're going to get into a topic that I think is super important. So give it up and welcome from Functional Fertility, Dr. Khalil Waddles, and from the Wellness Dish, Kirsten Ramsdale. Ladies, welcome to Versations. Good morning. Thanks Thank so much you so for much.
2: having us.
1: It is absolutely my pleasure to be here. And I love, you know, I love the fact that it's it's Kirsten and Khalil, it's K squared. I'm thinking if this thing works out and we do this right, you guys can be the next pop band. I'm just telling you right now, I'm just telling you, that's the plan. I'll be the manager, we'll make this happen. Love it. I'm ready. But I am so good. I am so excited for you guys to be here. And I want to introduce you a little bit more formally and then let you guys kind of introduce yourselves as well. But Dr. Waddles is here. She's the founder of Functional uh, Fertility. She's a naturopath physician specializing in fertility and functional medicine. And your focus is on women's health, uh, using functional medicine to improve the endocrine system, uh, reproductive health, and therapeutic, therapeutic, hard for me to say, nutrition. Kirsten, founder of The Wellness Dish, which I'm a huge fan of, got a master's degree in nutrition and functional medicine. And your focus is embracing lifestyle changes, discovering the healing effects of food, and enjoying the process of restoring health. And I've asked you guys to be here today because I believe that we have uh, not a crisis in this country, but we have a situation in this country that I think that we could start to help ourselves fix, and that's our health, whether it's uh, eating the right foods, breathing better air, knowing where your water supply comes from, or taking vitamins and understanding the effects that those have to help our body out. And we're going to get into a wide range of topics, uh, including talking a little bit about COVID and, and what's involved there. So I'm looking forward to that. And so really, just before I get started, Kirsten, I'll start with you. Please say hello. Introduce yourself, because I've already been talking for like three minutes, which is completely inappropriate. So please, you lead us off and say hello. Hi.
0: No, thank you so much for having me, Todd. I'm just really excited to um, have this opportunity to talk about what I'm most passionate about, modifiable lifestyle factors, and the you know this foundational pillar of health that I think has been ignored for far too long. And um, it's definitely time to talk about it.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. And Kalia, welcome to you as well.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a joy when we can talk about functional medicine. And I'm sure that we'll talk about this a little bit more, but one of the things that we're interested most is really increasing access and really just increasing awareness that functional medicine exists. So any opportunity that that we have to share with an audience who might be new to functional medicine, absolute pleasure.
3: Well,
1: you know, I, I've been living in a functional medicine world for a very long time in my house, and uh, it's a very big part of uh, a healing process within my family to to overcome cancer and to to make things better in their own lives. And I've seen the direct result of that daily regimen, and it's a part of my life, which I'll share a little bit later about how I feel about it. Um, but it's such an important conversation that we don't have enough of, you know. And I think a lot of times. Uh, that, that we run, you know, I think we're living in a world where we just want a pill to solve everything. Right. And, you know, Kirsten and I have talked about this before. You want a pill to lose weight. You want a pill to have hair. You want to have a pill to have more babies. You want to have a pill to sleep better. That always doesn't work. Right. And it's just a quick fix to a problem that's actually probably much deeper than a pill can solve. And that's why I want to kind of felt this topic and this whole conversation about our health and making things different, you know, is so important. I say all the time that, that food is a drug. It can help you and it can hurt you all at the same time right? There's a big difference between an apple and a candy bar. Um, And it's really important. I think we start to step back and recognize that. So to have people like yourselves, I mean, young guns coming up in this industry, carving a path, making waves, writing published papers, doing some cool stuff. I'm pumped that you guys are here. And I'm excited for our audience on a global scale to listen to your message and what we have to talk about today. So I'm going to shut the hell up, start asking these five thousand nine hundred. 13 questions I have, and see how fast we can get through all this because I know you guys have a lot to share. So let's start off really quickly. I'll start off with you. Give us a little frame up of what uh, functional medicine is.
2: Absolutely. This is a great question. So, by the
1: way, none of my questions suck. So let's get that out of the way right away. All my questions. We'll just get that
2: right on the table. Yeah. Right on the the table. Well, we'll kick it off with this one then. And I love talking about functional medicine. And really, this is an individualized, patient centered, science-based practice. But one thing I like to highlight is that functional medicine really honors what I call the humanness of medicine, right? We know that the way that we effectively heal and make behavior changes within community. So one of the really important pieces that we talk about is that the functional medicine model really empowers patients and practitioners to work together in something that I call the therapeutic alliance, to really address those underlying causes of disease. You know, you talked about nutrition. That's something that we think about. It's really multifactorial. And this is tough from a a practitioner standpoint because it really requires this detailed look into our patients, their genes, their biochemistry, their lifestyle factors. The way that I frame this to my patients in the clinic is the functional medicine model is somewhat of a conceptual framework. So it allows me to make a map of my patient's entire body systems and how they're working together, their lifestyle factors, and then the timeline of their entire life. So I can understand how that set them up on their current health trajectory. So really it's it's this conceptual framework. It allows me to map out the complexities of humans and humans are so complex, right? There's so many moving parts that this is how I capture all of that. Right. It allows me to get oriented to my patient's unique health history and their symptoms and how their body systems are working together so that I can leverage the points that are strong to really support the body systems that need a little bit more uh, tender loving care.
1: Right. And th-
2: that's allowing the patient's own body to work for them. I'm not, you know, I'm not this outside person that's doing the work for them. I'm empowering their own body to do the work by, like I said, leveraging those strong points. So just to kind of wrap this up with a, put a bow on it, it, it functional medicine is not a test or a protocol or where you went to school. It's really a way of thinking. It's really that body systems approach that honors the uniqueness and the complexities of humans.
1: Well, and it's, and, you know, honestly, you know, and I love, thank you for that. That's beautiful. And Kirsten, I'm, I'm going to throw the same question to you too, but you know, it's really about common sense, isn't it? I mean, isn't that really kind of the backbone of just like breaking this down to my point earlier, It's like if you eat a candy bar, you eat an apple, common sense says, right? I mean, you know, it, it's it's when I think about food, I, it, the first thing that just popped in my mind is I was in a conversation about pesticide use right out out on the farms. And, and there's pesticides out there where the FDA says it's probably toxic. It's either it is or it isn't, right? I mean, it's you know, it's like that old adage you can't you can't drink a diet coke and eat a bag of french fries and think you got zero calories coming, right? They don't watch each other out. So I appreciate that response that you said and the way that you framed it up. Kirsten, same over to you. Tell me a little bit about your opinion in looking at functional medicine.
0: Yeah, no, I mean what Kalia just spoke about was just spot on. I think that another kind of leverage point in functional medicine that is ever present. Uh, more than ever, uh, is the fact that we are looking at chronic dysfunction and and widespread imbalances in the body. Um, In chronic illness, and and that's a pretty common uh, disease these days, I mean, there are a um, number of systemic imbalances in the body. And if we don't start to look deeper and look upstream and try to discover these common root imbalances in the body, we're never going, we're just going to keep putting a pill for every ill, a pill on pills to address pill-like symptoms. Um, And it's just going to be this ever um, spiraling cycle of not really working towards health, but just kind of masking illness. Um, You know, I I do- I I would also just uh, point out that there are kind of these, like Cleo was saying, functional medicine is a way of thinking, it's a philosophy. Um, There are also these six principles of functional medicine. And Cleo, you touched on several of them being patient-centered. One that I really like to to promote is this idea of positive vitality, that we're not really looking to just um, heal ourselves from illness, but really optimize our health. And a lot of people I know myself um, found their way into functional medicine. Once I started to realize that I didn't have to feel the, the way that I was feeling, that I could right. feel a lot better than just fine, um, right. and and so yeah, health is positive vitality is really, really a center of functional medicine as well.
3: Well,
1: you know, you can't you can't uh, watch an advertisement on television about some kind of a pill without the disclaimer at the end. of All the things that pills is going to do. Here's all the warning signs. Your arm's going to fall off. You're going to grow a third eye. You're going to have diarrhea for the rest of your life. I mean, all these things, all these messages like, well, that sounds great. You cured one problem. And here's 19 others you've got to worry about, right? So your point to me, you guys have summed up one of the reasons why I want to do this, because why take something that causes something, all these other problems? It makes no sense to me. So I want to go back and, and because I think functional food and functional medicine are two kind of separate things, but they are connected together. So here's some of those that you can you give us a little definition of, of what functional food is.
3: This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by Superior Fresh, changing how food is grown to change the world. Proud recipient of the American Heart Association's Heart Check Seal for their USA-grown Atlantic salmon, raised on an organic, non-GMO diet in an ecosystem that supports the growing of the sweetest USDA-certified organic lettuces, salads, and vegetables. Visit and shop online at superiorfresh.com.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I, you know, in my studies, in my master's program, we have used the term functional food. There's a lot of ways in which um, it's used a kind of um, in, in the masses. We see it in the grocery stores, right? There are sections of functional foods and superfoods, and it's used in a whole variety of different ways. Really, at the, the crux of it all is that a functional food has some added sort of health benefit, so it's not just energy. It's not just carbs, fats, and, and proteins to, you know, maintain our energy levels throughout the day. It's not just calories. There's something else there that, that adds um, a beneficial quality. Um, either it's antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, or something along those lines. Um, what, I, what I do find is really interesting, and if we look at a variety of different definitions of functional food, even the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics really, um, notes it as anything that is fortified, enriched or enhanced. Um, And so in a lot of ways that brings some question to my mind that that some of of the functional foods that we see in our marketplace um, are not necessarily by nature, even whole foods. Um, There's this just misunderstanding, I think about what functional means. Um, and, and I think part of that comes from, uh, you know, in reflecting on this and realizing like, where did this definition, where did this concept come from? A lot of it comes from, um, in my mind, this disconnect from our food supply, this kind of dysfunctional food environment. And now we're having to say, Hey, these are actually some functional foods, but in all reality, food as medicine has always been functional when it's in its whole form. And, you know, when you're not eating these
1: highly processed um ingredients and additives
0: so hundred percent long-winded
1: answer to say <laughs> no yeah. no not long winded at all because we have been baffled <laughs> by our food we have been we have been marketed to right we have been marketed to to make money when it comes to, to our food supply and that's dangerous because food is you know again it's a drug it can help you and it can hurt you and so you're absolutely right when you go into the grocery store and, and see you know a, a 79 cent box of, of mac and cheese products sorry mac and cheese guys There's a reason it's 79 cents, because quite frankly, if you pull back the label, it's probably not a lot of it in there that's actually real food, and that's dangerous, right? That's why I I love this conversation. That's why I love this lane that we're in right now. Clea, I'm going to throw the same question over to you, please. Just kind of your definition a little bit about functional food and how it feels to your heart.
2: Yeah, sure thing. Well, I couldn't agree more with what Kirsten said. I've always thought about functional foods as there's something that has some some positive effect beyond just basic nutrition, right? Beyond just our basic macronutrients, there's something special about this food. And when I talk to my patients about functional foods, part of their treatment plan, we're going to include functional foods. It's always something um, that I frame as, this is what this food's superpower is, right? And why I think this is helpful is We can think about functional foods. You know, for example, we might say cold water fish. That could even be a functional food because of the omega-3 content and how that can support your cardiovascular health, your blood viscosity, your Mm -hmm. cellular membranes. And the beauty of it is it doesn't have to be something super fancy and expensive. You know, I I think for a while we got on the superfood thing and it was like, you know, the goji berries and acai and these things that were really expensive. But really when we look at what a patient's unique body needs, you know, maybe they need plant-based antioxidants. And in my mind, that means a sweet potato is going to be a functional food for you at that point. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think functional foods going back to the the genetic and biochemical individuality that we talked about, that's one of the tenets of functional medicine. In my mind, functional foods are applied the same way. You know, they're, they're different dep- depending on what your unique needs are for that
1: food or food group right uh yeah i 100 agree with you and thank you very eloquent both of you f- for framing that up and i think it's important that people recognize that because you're right again we're being marketed to right as opposed to already you know we're, we're, we want somebody to solve that immediate problem right so to your point like here's the newest thing you know it's 900 dollars an ounce but it's the newest thing as opposed to like but the, your, you know the, the thousands of years of having a sweet potato in our world that's just as good, but we don't talk about that because it's not new and shiny. And It's dangerous for that, right? I mean, it, granted, I'm not taking anything away from those new discoveries and what they are because they're valuable, but at the same token, we just try to, we, we always hit the easy button at times when it comes to our food, and it's just so dangerous in my opinion. Um, one of the big things about functional food and functional medicine is, is that there's supplements involved, right? Vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, all these different things. So how do you and how do consumers actually do the due diligence when it comes to looking at supplements? Because you can go to the grocery store and it's like, well, that's the cheapest one. I'm going to buy it, right? Or that's the most expensive one. I'm going to buy it. Just kind of, in some ways, when you go down the vitamin aisle, it's like a wine aisle. It's like, well, I don't know anything about red wine, but if this one's fifty bucks and this one's ten, this one for fifty's got to be better. That's not necessarily true. So, how do you guys do the due diligence with that?
2: Yeah, I'm happy to, try either, to either
1: one. Fire it up. You go either one. I'm sorry, I didn't pick. <laughs> I didn't pick one. Just start talking. I don't give a rip. Shut One up, of my go.
2: biggest obstacles with supplements and choosing supplements and doing our due diligence is it's pointless to take our supplements if we're not reaching a therapeutic dose. So that's the first thing I'm going to say of when we just right go on. to the grocery store and we're trying to, you know, pick out a supplement that's on the shelf. It's hard if you don't have guidance from your healthcare practitioner, because oftentimes what we see on the shelf is so far below a therapeutic dose that we see as effective in a research setting. Uh, And so number one, I'm always looking, does this supplement actually meet therapeutic dose requirements? And then of course, quality, I think is a huge issue when it comes to supplements. And so I always encourage my patients to buy um, their supplements through reputable vendors. And so I'm usually providing, you know, sources like Emerson and Fullscript and buying direct from supplement companies. We know that um, when we buy supplements online from large online retailers, that supplement quality can really be compromised. And when we look at the ingredients that are actually in the supplements, it's often not exactly what's on the label. So we have to be really cautious there. Sure. Other things I look, does is this supplement produced in a facility that uses good manufacturing practices and you can look up that information it's widely available and then is there any third-party testing looking for things like heavy metal contamination mycotoxins what else is in the supplement that we don't actually know about um, and then i always you know this is my maybe um off the record i mean on the record but i don't you know i no, don't I know we got It's on my treatment plan <laughs> but what deleted. i'm trying to say delete is this. I I, want to see, is this company that's making this supplement, are they making really fancy claims, you know, that this supplement will do this thing? Because I I always want to approach that with a healthy level of skepticism that, you know, that that, that supplement bottle doesn't know you. They don't know your health history and your family history and what you've been through. And so I want to be really, um, really skeptical about anything that's making a claim that it's going to Do something big for your health because at the end of the day this is an ancillary thing this is it's a supplement right it's not your lifestyle factors it's not your nutrition it's not these big game changing things in terms of your health and vitality
1: right kirsten how about you same thought on the due diligence
0: well yeah to kalia's point i was gonna bring up a lot of a lot of those those points as well uh, in, in in discussing supplements Um, I think first and foremost to your point, Kalia, on professional grade supplements, I definitely recommend that. And I also really love Fullscript Emerson. Um, Just, I mean, we wanna keep this stuff simple. And and I think sometimes it's nice when you can just say, go here, um, these are all vetted, these are great supplements and here's your dose. This is what you can even prescribe off of those um, platforms, uh, particular doses and particular supplements for patients. now, in terms of, uh, you know, walking into the grocery store and feeling um, like you are able to make the best decision for yourself, I the first thing that I'm looking at in supplements is making sure that, um, to your point, that maybe it has that GMP label on it. It's been vetted for good manufacturing practices. I don't want to see any additional, um, you know, additives, flavorings, colorings, things that I'm not, again, to kind of that... Clean label um, look that people are looking for. You know, they're wanting simpler right. ingredients. If you're walking in and you want your 30 milligrams of zinc, that's that's what it should include. That and nothing else. Right. Um, I do think though, when we are um, thinking about people just walking into the grocery store and choosing their supplements, a lot of those people are finding their information from blogs and just online sources. They're not seeing or or going to their practitioners, whether they're conventional medicine or functional medicine practitioners and asking questions about that therapeutic dose. They don't really know necessarily why they are needing to take these supplements. There's that education piece lacking. Um, and I think that there's also this risk of people um, consuming too much of reaching or, or um, surpassing that tolerable upper limit, especially right. when we see people who are getting their vitamins and minerals in these functional protein powders and these functional grain powders that they're putting into their, their water in the morning or their smoothies. And they're also taking a multivitamin on top of that. I do you worry that there's, um, there's this misunderstanding that more is better? And right we know but that's not that the case right it's with not the everything case. in life yeah it's not the case so we can do our best to teach patients about you know the reason why we are looking for particular supplements to again, supplement their diet um, what they should be looking for in terms of the ingredients but i do think it also comes back to make sure that you're talking with your patients about their supplements and that they know what they should be looking for a lot of people think that it's not really worthy of conversation but If they're on a vitamin D or a probiotic or a a zinc supplement, it's not worthy of telling your practitioner, but in all reality, we know that they, there are therapeutic doses and they're valuable for our health and relaying those messages to your practitioner are also important. You know, it's not just about what drug you're on. Let's talk about supplements.
1: Well, and, and look, your body can only absorb so much. So if your body can only absorb 10 and you're putting in a thousand, you're just throwing money away. Right, because it's just getting flushed out. You're not getting any real benefit of that, correct? I mean, I'm you know mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And so I, I mean that's
2: I was go gonna ahead. move this back to the functional medicine yeah. approach because I think that this is a connecting point here is the supplement conversation is nuanced. It's not just about selecting the dose and the right brand, it's also what what how is that going to interact inside that patient's body, inside the context of their unique ecosystem. And that's where I think it's really beneficial when you have someone who's saying, Oh, so you're taking you no, know, B vitamins, for example. Well, we know that the absorption of B vitamins is largely dependent on what's going on with the acidity inside your digestive tract and do you have the right enzymes and do you have the right shuttles to bring those B vitamins from your intestines and shuttle them into your bloodstream. And so, It's not just about the milligrams that you're taking of your supplements, right? It's also what's the host interaction once those supplements get inside. And that's where anchoring back into this concept of biochemical individuality is so important.
1: Absolutely. Well said. Thank you for bringing that full circle because I Mm -hmm. think that's, that's needed to be said. And it's also very important that people recognize that is that it's all about, it's a process. It's just not, again, it's just not, one pill is not gonna solve your problem. There's a process and there's and that's why I think that functional medicine, the functional food are such an important conversation to be elevated because it can make a huge difference in everybody's lives. It, it's, and we don't talk enough about it, right? Are you, I mean, our own government, our own our own system doesn't even talk enough about it. And that's my next question. So this is a great tea up. Um, let's talk a little bit about the disconnect between kind of mainstream medicine and functional medicine, because, you know, and I, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV, but nonetheless, you know, when when they go to medical school and I, you know, I've got friends and and associates have gone to medical. They don't spend a whole lot of time on nutrition. They don't spend a whole lot of time on vitamins. Right. and, and, Granted, it's a big job. It's a lot of heavy lifting to become a doctor, as you know, I get it. But at the end of the day, it's like that's not the biggest focal point of what they're doing, which is really unfortunate. So talk to me a little bit about the disconnect between between both of those. And Kirsten, go ahead and fire it off first, if you'd like.
0: Sure. Yeah, well, I think um, one of the major disconnects and, and and partially it's philosophy, but partially it comes down to our system. Um, and the time allotted that practitioners have with their patients. I think first and foremost, that's one of the biggest um, um, barriers to, to the functional medicine model is that time. As Kali was mentioning right at the first question, you know, it's really getting to know each individual patient, their goals, their body, all the root imbalances at play. It's taking the time for that. And the mainstream medicine conventional model just doesn't have that kind of time, unfortunately, or they don't value it maybe in the same way. Um, sure. One of the other kind of areas of, of disconnect between the conventional model and functional medicine is that functional medicine is, we stay curious. We're always wondering why, and we're always like trying to, to listen into that patient's goals and, and get them to where they want to be, not just where their diagnosis may progress to, right? We're not just trying to, to put a Band-Aid on something that we're seeing visibly, but we're trying to listen into that individual, understand and, and value their story um, and put it into the context of their treatment plan. With that said, you know, diagnosis intervention is a little bit different with functional medicine in that we're comfortable in the gray You know, when we have a very low normal and really high normal lab, or, you know, we're seeing a little bit of, of, of something that may or may not progress to illness, but you know, in the conventional model, they're normal and and that's okay. Let's wait for the disease to manifest in functional medicine. That gray is intriguing. That's where we get curious and we, we don't then deny their symptoms. We say, yeah, you know, it's normal, but I can see where, where your body is, is pushing hard why right, your right. symptoms why you're fatigued why you know you're frustrated you have this your muscle pain it's it we, we shouldn't ignore it just because it's normal we shouldn't ignore it um, right. and so that those are kind of two big big disconnects i see between well, I, the two models
1: 100 percent clip over to you for the same question about disconnect I mean,
2: she nailed it that's exactly how i see it too that it's really a philosophical difference and i love how kirsten talked about you said we're more comfortable in the gray area. I absolutely loved that. So we have a, a mentor who, who said something that really struck me and that was the practice of medicine. I guess if you think about the conventional model, especially, it's really about making perfect decisions with imperfect information, right? We never have the whole story and then there's all of this pressure to, to make the perfect diagnosis. And the reason why I think there's so much pressure to make that diagnosis is because in in the conventional setting, that's the end of the story. You make the diagnosis and then that's it. You treat it. But we always say in functional medicine that we treat people, right? We don't treat diagnosis codes. And so that gives us this whole opportunity to say, well, the diagnosis is actually not the end of our inquiry. We're staying curious, as Kirsten said, and and now we can use that diagnosis to inform Everything that we want to look at. So if I know right. that you know someone has a a condition that's generally inflammatory, well then that gives me all of this, all of these ideas to think about. Well, what are the main drivers of inflammation? It's not enough for me just to say this is an inflammatory condition. Well, what what has preceded, and and set us up for this? Uh, what's going on in our inflammasome? I'll say because I love that word about all of these contributors to our inflammatory load, and so. I think when we take this philosophy of staying curious and then looking at all of these bigger factors, so I'll just kind of throw out some of the the systems. We always say functional medicine is systems-based medicine, right? And that means body systems, but it also means the context of the human that's existing inside all of these uh, inter you know we think about their socio what's going on with their social networks we know people change right within their social network so what does that even look like for you and i said inflammasome what's contributing to your inflammatory body body burden your exposome right what are all of these um exposures to our environment and to other people and to our relationships that are going on so it's just I hate to be redundant, but really honoring those human complexities, that's the, the difference maker.
1: For sure. Well, and I got to tell you, a perfect decision within perfect info. Boy, does that not sound like what we're dealing with right now yeah. in everyday news cycle? Right. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get back to that, 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 that quote, probably going to go on my t-shirt. I'm just telling you right now. And (laughs) I've
2: thought about it every day since I've heard it. (laughs) So you and me both.
1: Oh my God. That's just, it's so, it's such a powerful statement, but I, so functional medicine is, is, you know, I guess how has functional medicine is a better way of phrasing it uh, has changed the way we're looking at health now. I mean, because you guys are busy, you guys are the real deal. I mean, you know, functional fertility, the wellness dish, you guys are rocking it because people are like, who do I go to? Who do I trust? Why there's gotta be a better way. You know, how can mm-hmm. I empower myself? Right. Again, it's not that easy, button, but you guys are, are are in a business and I'm not being despairing in any way to, to the medical community, but they're in a business to fix something and move on. You're in the business of creating a program to fix something your entire lifetime. An entire change for the rest of your life that's going to uplift you, and it's such a different model. So, how has functional medicine kind of helped to change the way we look at health today, Kalia? Yeah, you're on the spot. I,
2: Go. I would say it's it's always been part of our philosophy, and I'll say both for functional medicine, and then you know I'm a naturopathic doctor, so I always really have to anchor into naturopathic philosophy. It's always been part of our philosophy to cultivate resiliency. And that's what this whole thing is about, our resiliency to, you know, meet whatever we encounter out here in the wild and remain healthy into the other side. And so uh, what's been interesting about, you know, um, in these interesting um, and unique times is it makes things more visible, right? It shines a light onto things that were maybe sneaking under the surface and now we can see it. And I think what, what, having a global pandemic has shined a light on in our community is the fact that building that resiliency is something that we can't ignore. And it's something that you have to do. You have to do the work before you meet that threat in the wild, right? And so now we're doing all of this work to to help folks cultivate that resiliency. But it's interesting that now there's all of these added stressors. And so, you know, we right. started creating that health and really working on what some people call our health house two, three years ago, if we had done that, that diligence, then hmm, I wonder what that would look like in terms of our resiliency against viral infections at this point. But now, if we hadn't done the work, now we're kind of doing some some backlogging of trying to trying to fill our reserves and Um, make sure that we're nutritionally replete and work on our exposome and our inflammasome but now there's all of this added stress and trauma of living in a global pandemic and so it's an interesting um, scenario Uh, but what is helpful about the functional medicine model again is that we're identifying those areas that are really strong like I talked about so that we can leverage those to take care of the areas that need some more support and it's simple, Right. right Kirsten and I spoke Um, earlier this year at a big conference talking about our modifiable lifestyle factors and how that stuff is largely free or little cost and makes a a a gigantic difference in our health outcomes so even thinking about nutrition community stress management all of that stuff that actually it doesn't cost a lot of money but that's that's the those factors that are going to make a big difference in your um your resiliency and your ability to um you know, come out healthy on the other side of a big stressor.
1: Sure. I love it. Mm -hmm. Kirsten, over to you for the same question.
0: No, that was beautiful. I would just add on that, you know, to your question, how has functional medicine helped change the way that we view health? I know that I, you know, a lot of people are feeling this way now in response to this global pandemic. And finally, you know, learning a bit more about how to maintain that resiliency and why that immune resiliency is important. Um, I, I came to it, um, very naive as well throughout my whole, in early of my health journey. Um, and you know, I think people are starting to realize that health isn't a moment. It's not like it's a year we check up with your PCP. It's a journey. And it is like, you're, I think there's a quote, you know, treat your body well. It's the only house you have to live in. I'm not, right. I, I don't want to quote that. I'm not sure who, who said that, but I love that philosophy that you know, health really is a journey and people are starting to feel that. And people then are beginning to be curious and beginning to start to say, wait, my story matters. I, I know my health better than my doctor does. Why aren't they asking me these questions? Why aren't, why am I not given a voice in that concert sure. room? And so you're seeing we've, functional medicine has been pushing that status quo for quite some time, but now it's just ever more present and the masses are, are feeling it and needing it. Um,
1: 100% well and and to quote the great philosopher jimmy buffett some people treat their body like a temple and some people treat their body mm-hmm. like a tent right so i'm, I'm with you there so we let's christian those... temple zone can i can i add just yeah. one
2: really quick thing before we move on Shit. yes
1: you can add whatever you Your want
2: sister, no, sometimes bro. she says things we work together really closely sometimes she says things and it hits a place in my brain and reminds me of something go just when we think about, Kirsten talked about chronic disease earlier in our chat, and when we think about disease and wellness on a continuum, I think that's actually a really uh, helpful part of the functional medicine model, because it allows us to say, you know, here's this continuum, and on this far side is disease, and on this other side is your optimal wellness. At any given moment, you could be anywhere on that spectrum, right? Some days were more well than others. But I think that gives us an opportunity to reframe when, when folks get really attached to a diagnosis or to a disease and that becomes their identity, right? Because we could say, you're not, we could push you anywhere on this spectrum. On any day, we could change all of these factors that are gonna push you more towards the side of the wellness. So you don't have to identify with the, the portion of that spectrum that's the disease, because it's all dynamic, it can change at right. any time. And I think that's really um, helpful when we're heading into, you know, in light of our health outcomes with COVID, for example, right? We can tell people, yes, do you have some risk factors that might make you more vulnerable? Certainly. Right. But do we have all of these skills and tools to help push you towards that well side of the spectrum? We certainly do.
1: Right. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that triggered a bug. Good job, Kirsten. High five to you. Virtual <laughs> high five. Good job. I love that. So Kirsten, I'm going to throw this question to you to start with. Let's talk about the role food plays in this process, right? Because I think we've got to come to you know we're talking about. I'd like to come full circle because, you know, I think that's a really important part. As I said earlier, and I say it all the time, food is medicine. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about how food plays a role in the process.
0: Yeah, no, food is medicine. And to the same effect that I think you bring up often, food can be harmful, food can be poisonous. Um, and, and we know, I think more kind of inspiring or insightful, um, it kind of, it, it gets me excited is knowing that food is actually information for our body. And I think oh, wow. that educational yeah. piece- really captures some audiences like once we start to learn the biochemical processes of digestion and vitamins and minerals and how it you know how these foods impact to the core even our mitochondrial health I think teaching some of this like biochemistry gets really exciting for people and and then they start to really say oh gosh yeah every time I'm eating and that could be three four or five times a day I'm doing something really cool to my body and I think we we should have more of those conversations that's what I'm really excited about.
1: I love that. I
3: love that. Um, Cleo. We know ahead, that
0: food. Yeah, no, it's, no, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, yeah, we know that that food is um, a, a really, I mean, it is to its core, a foundational pillar. And if we don't ignore food, we lose a lot of leverage in, in future therapeutic work. So it is incredibly important.
1: Absolutely. Well said. Cleo, over to you for the same question. How's food play a role in the process?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just echo what Kirsten said. The food is information. I think you think about that all the time and it's information on a cellular level, as Kirsten said, and it informs our biochemistry now, mm-hmm. that I think about, and I'll hate to selfishly center this on my own life, but I have a largely fertility practice, right? And so, um, so many of my patients are struggling with subfertility or infertility. And so we're always thinking about the contributors to that situation. And food, it relates in a lot of ways, not information just to ourselves, but also information to our nervous system. If we think about the fact that our brain is constantly taking in information, you know, what's going on with our light and dark cues and what's going on with my food availability, both caloric density, but also phytonutrients, right? And that's telling my nervous system about- You know, in the literature, they call it predation risk. Like how likely am I to be eaten by a dinosaur right now? And of course, our body is going to heal. And in in my practice, I talk about our body's going to reproduce, but healing is totally applicable here too when our system feels safe. And so I, I think food is such a powerful intervention not only because of the cellular changes but also how it cultivates the sense of safety in your body to heal because it has an adequacy and a fullness that's readily available um and so i think we have a, a an obligation as healthcare professionals at this point to teach not only about you know healthy healthy foods for your immune support but just about nutrition in general and how that is an absolutely non-negotiable part of being healthy and resilient
1: absolutely well like i said earlier you're not going to drink you know drink a diet coke and eat a bag of french fries and think it. it's going to cancel out right it doesn't work that way i want to get a little bit deeper and clear i'm gonna throw this question to you to start with um the ways that we can benefit putting these into our lifestyle and i want to talk i have four different kinds of areas i want to just touch on i'm going to throw them all at once and where we go we go i don't really care but you know the benefits of incorporating functional food and functional medicine in the four areas right now one of which is women Uh, children, men, and I think one that we don't put a lot of energy in and something that I is the elderly. And I I, I was in a conversation where I found it very, very um, shocking and and I guess maybe not surprising, but more, you know, I was a little bit, it, it kind of bummed me out, quite frankly, at the decline of healthy fruits and vegetables in the elderly's diet as they continue to age, especially if they get on to uh, assistance or some of these other things have happened. It, that happen, that's a rapid decline. And of all the times, that's not the time to decline eating your fruits and vegetables, right? I mean, we're just compounding. And so, if you wouldn't mind touching, and again, you know, women, children, men, and the elderly, I don't care which one you touch. I don't care if you touch all, I mean, you know, however, which direction you want to go. But I just think it's really kind of cool to, to bring this kind of full circle in our conversation.
3: This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by Superior Fresh changing how food is grown to change the world. Proud recipient of the American Heart Association's Heart Check Seal for their USA-grown Atlantic salmon, raised on an organic, non-GMO diet in an ecosystem that supports the growing of the sweetest USDA-certified organic lettuces, salads, and vegetables. Visit and shop online at superiorfresh.com.
1: So, Cleo, I'll fire it off to you.
2: Yep, I'll kick it off. So I'll-
3: Kirsten, you're next. Be ready.
2: No, get ready kirsten <laughs> my clinical experience largely focuses on women so i'll touch there a little bit and then sure. as a mom i could talk about about kids men and the and the aging process is certainly important as well so if i get sidetracked bring me back and i'll make sure i talk about men and the aging process so with women you know functional medicine and functional food is so important and i I talk about nutrition all the time. I think that that is an absolutely crucial component of our preconception planning. So most of my patients come to me before they are wanting to get pregnant and they want to know what to do for nutrition, because really when we are wanting to get pregnant or we're in our reproductive years, it's all about kind of um, bolstering our reserves and increasing our our fortitude. And so I always want to really emphasize nutrient density. I had, um, a teacher of mine when I was in medical school, she was a a midwife and she said, we really want to start from a place of fullness because we want to have so much abundance that we have overflow to give to another person, which makes total sense. Right. When we're thinking about uh, growing an entire human from scratch, and so when it comes to women in particularly, I, I really just want to focus on nutrient density. And that means, you know, a, a broad spectrum. We kind of simplify it, which I think is helpful and say eat the rainbow, right? We talk about that all right. the time. And while it sounds so simple, that's the way that we can ensure the broadest coverage with phytonutrient and antioxidant protection. Because as we know, all of our, I'm even willing to say that functionally these foods that have different color profiles are going to contain different nutrients um, and that's all going to be helpful to support different body systems, right? So one that I talk about all of the time is the anthocyanins and in our purple foods and how those are really supporting the integrity of our blood vessels. And so for my women who are thinking about getting pregnant, knowing that our blood volume is going to increase by 50% during pregnancy, which just makes my mind explode. We have to ensure the, the integrity of our vascular system.
1: And Absolutely.
2: So I I, I kind of keep it simple with my my the women in my practice. For the most part, of course, we can always tailor it to their own metabolic goals, thinking about things like insulin resistance, which is huge in terms of our viral um, vulnerabilities, right? So we can talk about that later, but just making sure our blood glucose regulation is helpful, that our inflammation is well-controlled. These things are all areas that we can approach with food. So- that's my um, my big overview of women. Love it. And with children, you know, this is interesting. Kirsten and I talked a little bit about this, that of course, nutrient density is ultra important for children as well as they're rapidly undergoing the growth and maturation process and all of our tissues and our bones, of course, need adequate nutrition. But I think with kids, this is like where we can really dive into their little food philosophies right because they're always collecting information about where their food is coming from and their minds are so uh accepting of new information and i'll just share you know i have two two kids i have a four and a seven year old and we live are very blessed to live in a farming community And we moved here about a year ago and, you know, I have a nutrition degree and so I've always been really transparent about food and we've always eaten very healthfully, but there is a shift now where my children see my husband, their dad working on the farm and working with the animals and you know, he's out there with a herd of cattle and he he knows their personalities and he's like part of the herd and knows all of their little herd family intricacies. And when you see that now the farmer is so connected to the farm, is so connected to the food, and that's all, you know, linked in your brain, now you're, you're not separating the food from right. the farm. It's all one thing. And so I think that... Uh, I, I, I don't know the answer to this, but if there's somehow that we can expose children earlier and more to these food systems, wow, that's how we're, that's how we're going to support our planetary health into the future. I know this is like such a huge conversation, but when we have a new generation that values the farm and the farmer, like, wow, what is that going to mean for our food system going forward?
1: 100% agree with you. I, that's well, very, very well said. I mean, you're, you know, and to quote the great Kathleen Merrigan, know your food, know your farmer, right? It's so important. And we have to buy into that. We need to take that time, whether it's whether you're talking about labor standards on the farm, fair trade issues, whatever they get, organic, um, you know, all these different things that are out there. I mean, it's all a part of those things that we need to empower ourselves with to make ourselves not only personally better, but ultimately our planet better, right? Because we're going down a slippery slope with all these people that are coming and all the people that are here and everything else. It's really, really dangerous. Um, Kirsten, I'm gonna throw it over to you. Get you stirred up a little bit. How about the same i back to you. Yeah, I'm not there. No, I, if you got more to add, think about it. I'll, I'll talk like a little bit. Of, I'd uh, like to hear a little bit more. Go ahead, Kirsten. Awesome, yeah, up.
0: no, I'll talk a little bit about the aging process and elderly because um, I do think that it it clearly relates to one of the principles I brought up earlier in the conversation about. Um, promoting healthy organ reserve, and, and that's a huge contributor to a decline to age over time. Your organ reserve is your body's ability to kind of support whole body health, to be able to kind of stay resilient and take on whatever insults or uh, that, that come your way. And with aging, that's what gets, um, that's what declines, and that's why, you know, a small little infection leads to, um, you know, more tragedy, or a small little, right, you, you break you break your bone and, and you don't heal from that. So um, really supporting your organ reserve over time and starting young. So not thinking about aging elderly once you've hit that, that time in your life, but starting early, just to Kalia's point too, with, with her fertility patients, thinking like, how can we create abundance early on in respect to that kind of idea of health as a journey, I think starting and thinking about aging and, and what we're gonna be like uh, and supporting our organ reserve um, early on in the process through that nutrient density, through looking at all of these root cause imbalances that play and supporting our health and you know adhering to this
1: functional medicine philosophy sure. as
0: early as we can um, will undoubtedly
1: help. Oh, I know. And I guarantee you, and I, I'm not going to go on a big limb here, but I bet you I'm going to go on a limb with our audience on a global scale. I guarantee you over 90% of them have never even thought about the expression organ reserve. They've never even come up. It's, it's not even something, it's certainly not on a T-shirt, it should be, but I mean, it's a really valid subject that you bring up. And it's back to our original point, what we talked about along. Making those decisions today and, and leaving that lifestyle today, that's going to make for a better tomorrow, right? It's not the easy but You're going to have to invest to get to this point of being better off. Doesn't mean you're not going to get hit by a car, or get struck by lightning, right? You're not going to prevent that. But there's a lot of things that you don't know that's going to happen that you could work to prevent, right? I mean, you know, you're 75 years old and you don't, you know, you don't have prostate cancer. Is that because you got lucky, or is it because you spent 40 years with supplemental doing the right things in your diet, whatever mm-hmm. it takes to get you to that point? I'd rather be at that point, looking back, saying, "Hey, I don't have it." then roll the dice going, I wonder if I'm going to get it. It just seems stupid because it's really not hard. This What we're talking about truthfully is not hard, right? It just becomes this commitment. And it becomes this, this, this investment of your time and energy into your own life, into the world around you and what you're doing to contribute to it, but not only contributing to your own body. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else to you, either one of you, because I don't, I mean, I, I asked a really broad question. I want to make sure y'all have enough time and I'm fine with it. You're good. But is there anything else you want to throw with that you know in regards to where we were at, please?
2: I'll, I'll add one piece just so I'm thinking. about. Cool. It's interesting that we'll pay, we pay for insurance for like mm-hmm. some traumatic thing that could maybe happen. but we don't invest the same energy into this insurance policy for our aging process, which we know is going to happen
1: which is coming
2: our, our our health foundations. And that's just an interesting mindset that I hadn't really thought about before, but it's, it kind of speaks a little bit to what we value like in real time. So just throwing that out there, it's interesting to think about. The the next thing, since we're talking about aging is I take 100% of the opportunities that are presented to me to talk about mitochondria um, Kirsten mentioned
1: mitochondria
2: a little bit already, but I just have to put a plug in for mitochondria. I think are our most underappreciated tiny organelle. Um, and so, you know, for anybody who's listening and is like needs a refresher, you listen back your 10th grade biology teacher, you'll hear them say the mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. So remember our mitochondria are producing all this energy that's powering what I call energetically expensive processes, right? Moving our muscles using our brain, doing anything. And we know that as we age, our mitochondrial function really starts to decline. And yes, there's so many fancy supplements, you know, CoQ10 and alpha lipoic acid, all of these things that can support mitochondrial function, but also eating your vegetables, drinking water, following your circadian rhythm, meaning bright light in the morning and then dark night, um, allowing your body to sink into a deep, deep sleep focusing on antioxidants, exercise, especially in a little bit of cold, which I'm talking like 60 degrees in Seattle, that's every day. So that's not hard for us here. Mm-hmm. It's these, it's these lifestyle investments that protect our mitochondrial health, which ultimately prolong our health potential. And I think this is really where we can start to talk about the difference in lifespan versus health span. Right. And it's these foundational sure. things that really extend our health span into an older age.
1: Love it. Kirsten, anything to follow up on that? Or we
0: No, the, the one thing that just got triggered in my mind, one of our um, one of I the love it. educators, <laughs> I think um, he's he's said countless times whether I'm probably gonna misquote him, but something along the lines of focusing on our lifestyle factors, these foundational pillars are the greatest return on investment for our health. And to that same point of like, there is so much we can do that is little to no cost that we just need to start integrating in bite-sized pieces throughout our lives. Um, it will get easy. Um, it'll just become kind of the backdrop of your day-to-day life and, and it will support you, um, in a lot of different ways, especially for that aging process that we were just talking for sure.
1: about. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you both for that. I, that was great. I, I mean, there's some nuggets in there that I hope people go oh rewind listen again write that down so mm-hmm. thank you both for that now i want to shift gears uh and and uh we're going to talk about uh covid a little bit i want to shift gears hopefully we don't get deplatformed hopefully we don't get you know <laughs> i don't know what the hell will happen but we're going to try to keep it as uh as open minded and i got to tell you Perfect decisions with imperfect information is a great segue. Thank you very much for that. By the way, again, going down a T-shirt um, to lead into this, and I, and and the reason I wanted to get into COVID a little bit, and I'm not, I'm not, we're not going to go down some dark, dirty trail and all this other stuff. I'm not going to get caught up in, in disinformation. I'm not going to get caught up in misinformation. I'm not going to get caught up in in all of that because I think everybody in this country is struggling from trying to understand how they really truly should feel and, and what they really truly should do. And I think that however you want to frame it up, I just don't think anybody's comfortable any longer with trying to figure this out. And this is not something you're going to figure out on your own. It's just, it's all so all over the board, right? From, from what you shouldn't take, what you should take and why you did you know, it's just, it's kind of nuts, but I want to touch on COVID because, And I'll share from my own personal experience in this, A, I've never, you know, A, I've not had COVID, knock on anything in my studio here that's made of wood, probably just that. Um, But in 2020, before there was any um, vaccines to even have, I continued my business. And I I traveled 75,000 butt miles in an airplane in 2020 and just a small part of 2021. And I spent 70 nights in hotels, unvaccinated, dealing dealing with this disease and this virus with Whatever information at the moment made the most sense, and I made a lot of those choices on my own. And one of the choices that I've made for years and one of the choices I leaned into, and Kirsten, you're well aware of this because you've given me a lot of guidance into this, full disclosure, is that I was on a pretty good supplement regimen from a, you know, a really solid multi, um, but again, not, not off the store shelf, to your point, doing the due diligence. Um, I took my zinc, I got a really good C, I take vitamin D every day, and I take a bunch of other stuff that I can't pronounce, so I'm not even going to try and look like an asshole on here, but you guys know what it is, <laughs> but, you know, and I struggled, you know, in my own mind about um, not getting vaccinated in the sense, because I thought, okay, I understand the RNA, this makes sense to me, You know the whole line, of my biggest problem was, Kirsten, you talked me through this, was just how bad I felt once I got it, and was real concerned about how bad I ended up actually feeling after the second one, which you're well aware of, I mean, that was a really rough four days for me personally but i didn't quit my regiment i've continued to travel i've been in public spaces uh i've been to a a baseball game you know with forty-five thousand people i've been to conferences i've been on airplanes etc i've had dinner across from everybody and i firmly believe that a lot of that success of not getting sick and again knock on wood and thank you has to do with the fact that i put a conscientious effort into empowering my own self to try to find a way to help myself and so I want to talk about that a little bit. So I frame all that up. Hopefully we're not deplatformed at this point. I don't think we are. You guys haven't said anything, so you're fine. It's just me at this point. <laughs> but one of the things I want to talk about, and what really led me to, to getting you guys on here, and you know, not only talk about what we're at because we're building a kind of a case to, to this subject, is that first I want to talk about you know with you, Kirsten. You know, you have published a paper. Amongst with other uh, other folks, you know, it's been peer reviewed. It's out there, and it's it's. And I'm just going to read the title of it. It's 23 pages long, so I'm not going to read all that. But it's functional medicine approach to COVID-19 virus specific nutraceuticals and botanical agents. And I would like for you, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us about what that paper is and what your study was and what you did, um, because it's kind of it, it it kind of sums up what I've just spewed onto for a couple of minutes. But please share with us about your work.
0: Sure, absolutely. So back in March, April 2020, obviously right at the start of this pandemic, we were all kind of just trying to put our feet to the ground and figure out where to go next. And of course, um, we both work at the Institute for Functional Medicine, and we train and educate practitioners, which of course, we also build out patient resources. And we knew that we had to have a little bit of a better grasp about what we can educate our practitioners and patients with and so we knew that um you know by nature in the functional medicine approach we're looking at immune resiliency and we're trying to cultivate health and to kind of prevent uh illness and and maintain that sort of um resiliency throughout uh, our entire lives and so while we didn't really feel like you know we could go into the literature. And quite frankly, there wasn't at the time. Um, There was no COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 research. Uh, We knew mechanistically a lot of what we teach in functional medicine is is all about our body systems and biological plausibility and low risk, high strength of evidence interventions. And so that's where nutraceuticals and botanicals can come into play. And so we evaluated um, about 12 agents at first Um, different nutraceuticals and botanicals that could modulate the immune system, that could um, mitigate any potential further viral replication, looking at other studies on different viruses, because of course we didn't have any on COVID-19, and just gathered the evidence, leveled it, provided strength of evidence, recommendations, and risk of harm, and compiled several summary tables of different botanicals and nutraceuticals, including, I think we had curcumin, quercetin, vitamin D, resveratrol, all of these supplements, and all these interventions that we teach um, for, different, for different reasons, but we know boost immune resiliency. And so, um, you know, the other really important piece uh, of this research, we looked at the mechanisms of action that could potentially uh, be similar to the COVID-19 virus. We also looked at patient-oriented outcome studies. So looking at other viruses and how effective vitamin D was on them, how effective quercetin was on um, Mm. further symptoms and pro-mitigating symptoms. And and of course, still taking that leap and saying, we know these aren't necessarily directly um, influencing COVID-19, but gosh darn, they can really help support our immune system. And
1: that's what we need to leverage right now. So- I love it, I love it. It's a cool paper. I actually mm-hmm. read it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I read it. I, there's a lot of words, a lot of consequences. Those, <laughs> but I read. You know, five letters, five letters or less. I got them all. You so thank thank you for that. It's be, so here's my question to both. Um, let's let's you know how can we, utilizing functional medicine, the the work that you've you know the, the conversation we've already laid out, functional food, the conversation we've already laid out, um, help our bodies in this pandemic and help us make you know just good choices, right? Because again i would love for you know the powers that be to go okay hey guys take vitamin d every day go take a vitamin c right put that into your diet you know e- exercise go take a walk around the block you know i know that's a big thing for me i, I was sharing with you before we went on the air you know if-, if i don't get my five miles on every morning you know starting at 4 30 in the morning i I'm- it's just my day's ruined right i'm so addicted to it now um And that's what ends up happening is you start to do more and more, in my opinion, the more and more things you do good to your body, the more and more your body wants more good things. It's just a natural response. So my question is, is how does functional food and functional medicine help our bodies fight COVID, whether it be studies like your own or reports or, you know, things that are out there. So, Kalia, I'm going to throw this to you to start with, but. It's it's a really broad question. There is no really great. I'm not looking for any specific answer. I'm just looking for like, you know, kind of summation of what we've already talked about, but really applying it to this particular instance.
2: Sure. So the thing I'd like to point out to start with is I think it's really important that we understand our unique profile of vulnerability. And I know that sounds scary, but I think that this is where it's really important that we're doing our normal health maintenance because we know that there are some factors that make people more vulnerable to infection or severe infection, right? And that's things like our glucose regulation, like I talked about earlier. So go Mm -hmm. your your annual physical and have Mm -hmm. your hemoglobin A1C and your fasting insulin measured. Then you know, you kind of know what's going on with your glucose metabolism. Measuring your inflammatory body burden. So I do this with a test that's called high sensitivity C-reactive protein. We measure your inflammatory load. Um, looking at things like nutritional inadequacies, right? And this is a nuanced conversation because we have so much of what we call overfed and undernourished, right? So if we're just doing our general screening and we see someone's clearly getting caloric density, then we're not looking any further at their actual nutrition adequacy, but those inadequacies put us at risk for severe infection. Um, And then thinking about things like our mitochondrial function that I just talked about. So we know that mitochondrial dysfunction is also something that seems to make us more vulnerable to severe disease. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is doing our regular health maintenance. That's important anyway, taking care of our metabolic health, getting that lipid panel, getting your hemoglobin A1C, all of that is still really vitally important in this scenario because that then allows us to add some specificity with how we're going to treat or how we're going to prevent a viral infection, right? If I see someone is very inflamed, I know that I need to work on that inflammatory response right away. And that is going to be what we're going to prioritize. But if someone has, you know, their inflammation is looking good, but we look at their diet and they have no plant-based antioxidants and very little omega-3s. And we know that that type of thing is gonna really set you up, for an immune response that's not as protective, well, great, then that's where we focus. And so I think functional foods and, and supplements, those are all really important, but first we have to determine what's even appropriate for that individual. And we do that with screening lab work and a careful history taking and a nutrition oriented physical exam. Right. And so I think that's where functional medicine really shines is it gives the practitioner the tools to identify those things so that we can give a tailored treatment plan that's not 50 supplements that maybe you need or maybe you don't.
1: Right. Kirsten, over to you, too, with that big broad kind of yeah, very broad question. No,
0: I think what we really you know need to start doing right now um, and not just uh, kind of in the moment, to my point that health is a journey. Um, the past 18 months or however long it's been, <laughs> I can't even count anymore. Um, it's, it's I, think they, a lot I think this
1: is the, this is the 497th day of March, 2020. That's what, yeah, today yeah, I, yep, yeah, that's
0: exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think this is, this is a, a pivoting point. It's a turning point to say, let's not be reactive anymore. Let's be proactive. Let's prioritize our health. You know, um, there are a lot of things we can kind of add to our regime quickly. You know, we could have that superfood smoothie in the morning. We can do all these things right now. But really, you know, um, we need to take this as a turning point and say, hey, we can do better. And um, how can we create a better world where Public health isn't this thing that just pops up every decade where it's like this alarming fire alarm. It's something that we instill into our values, into our systems, into our day-to-day. We start from the ground up, we teach kids, to Kalia's point that um, where our food comes from, we need to to think more expansively. Um, I also think that another thing I just wanna point out um, in terms of supporting our bodies during this time, really also not overthinking uh, this, you know, there is an element to added stress that I reason why I I like to say bite sized strategies to help is because I really do think I don't want people to come to me and say, gosh, what is the perfect plan? I'm starting tomorrow because inevitably that will fail. You know, they'll do a few days of it. It gets too stressful. That added stress actually worsens their immune system. And here we go starting at ground zero again, you know, we need to, um, start slow be intentional be proactive and and be okay with just kind of these these daily steps these daily strategies um and and, you know to your point about how much you were able to travel successfully and you have this new supplement regime i mean i think that you 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 know already started from a place of abundance you you already Mm -hmm. had a lot of these principles instilled in you and and that was definitely um something that 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 supported with you during that time and i i I think it's time
1: for a lot of people to start that process well yeah i agree and i think that we need to come look influenza is never going to go away and i don't believe that COVID's ever going to go away it's just going to change it's going to it's just going to be like influenza you know uh, eventually right Mm -hmm. yes it's deadly it's got it's all it's all the bad i'm not taking anything away from the bad stuff right but it's here to stay and if and and if we're just going to take on the time to wait for the next you know whatever Mm -hmm. miracle thing that easy button i just don't think that's in our best interest and so doing what you guys do every day and leaning into our bodies and leaning into the science. Cause that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about the science, right? And the curiosity and that gray area and all those things that you mentioned, it's just super important that we embrace this with, with, when it comes to this, this pandemic and that, that we know we can make a difference. You know, whether you're looking for herd immunity, whatever these buzzwords, whatever these things everybody's talking about, we can help ourselves and we can empower ourselves. Is there and a question for both of you on this one is COVID now a part of almost every conversation with your patients in some ways, like, you know, in the back of your mind, it's out there and you know that, Hey, you're looking harder at D you're looking harder at C you're looking harder at, at, at certain, you know, in sync, obviously. And some of these things, is it something that you're putting more into your daily regimen now with your patients? Either one of you go pick one rock, paper, scissors. I mean, go. I
2: think it's, it's unavoidable. We, we're all thinking about it. It's at the forefront of our mind and, it, it even creeps into any of the conversations I have, you know, even in my fertility patients, it's, well, how can I protect myself so that I can work on these goals and I am protected into the future? And so,
1: Absolutely.
2: Um, yeah, I think it's so much, it's ubiquitous and it's so much part of our culture at this point that it's kind of
0: standard. We're all, we're going to talk about it always.
1: Right. Yeah. Sure, same <laughs> with you.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, if it's, if it's not them coming in worried about an exposure or, um, dealing with, you know, maybe some long hauler kind of symptoms that are, that are present, it's, it's the social bit, it's the community piece. It's this, like, everyone's just still on the edge of their seat, wondering what's next and stressed. Um, and, and I see that kind of infiltrate all of the conversations that, that I'm having, um, with friends, family patients that I was seeing, um, you know, that, that is, that is here to stay, unfortunately, at least for now. And, and, um, I think that's what functional medicine brings to the table is, you know, when you create these partnerships with your patients, um, having that vulnerability in the conversations that, you, that you're having with patients, talking about social connections, realizing the value there. Um, I mean, we know like loneliness itself, social disconnection is an inflammatory um, it has inflammatory components to it. We need community. Yeah. We 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 strive on it. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, I just wanted to, to throw that one in there. That no. It's not always about the virus. It's about you know what it's created, the environment it's created.
1: Well, I think that goes back to some of what we said earlier about just taking that one pill to solve that to solve every problem. And it's just not that simple. And I think we have to recognize that science is. I mean, I'm a big you know I'm a big believer in science. I'm a big believer that what it brings to us is, you know, good findings, bad, but whatever it is. I mean, we, you know, science is a good thing. And I think that if, if anything, um, I hope that this this, this pandemic is, is an opportunity for people to just take a step back from that stress and that strain. Of we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but reflect on what happened yesterday and what didn't you do from a personal health standpoint, from a food standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, from all of that to make a change in your life that ultimately is gonna lead you down a better path. It's all, you know, again, and I don't beat my own drum, but, you know, I firmly believe that, you know, I was extremely exposed in my travels. There's just no way I wasn't. There's just no way I was in every major airport in America. I was on a lot of airplanes, around a lot of people that were coughing under their mask, right? I mean, whatever. But I really believe that it was some of those choices that I made, that preventative choice, that helped me through that and continues to help me through today. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this. And one of the reasons why I asked both of you to come on and hang out with me, because, A, you're both brilliant. There's no two ways about that. Uh, And again, this thing doesn't work out. We got the K2 pop band thing. So we're (laughs) going back to that opening statement. But, you know, I just think it's so important to hear from, you know, I love the young people in this country, because you all are so much smarter than we were back then. And you guys have such a different view of the world and you have such a caring heart because you've seen the struggles and trials through your own life. And to be able to come to a point in your life, and your career, where you're saying, hey, guys, this you know, what we've talked about today, I swear to God, if anybody thinks this is hard, they're nuts. This is not hard. This is just a commitment. Right. And so I just thank both of you from the bottom of my heart for what you do every day. Because you probably don't get a lot of thank yous and i hope that this global audience which is now you know over a whole lot of countries now which is pretty cool gets on the website to the wellness dish and functional fertility and does some typing and say hey i love what you had to say tell me a little bit more because i want to make positive changes because we need to do that right we want to have herd immunity let's get a herd immunity around vitamins and minerals let's get a herd immunity around eating good food because it changes everything good food changes our climate Right, all these things are—they're all—they all all connect together. Right, we're all humans. To your point, Kirsten, about community and being together, we all connect together, and I think it's just so important that that this message get heard. And so, thank you from bottom of my heart for being so open. You're not done. Don't get out of here. You guys aren't out here yet. You're in the hot seat still. We got more crap to talk about, but nonetheless, I just think this is a great spot. Is there anything else, you know, we can go deep, keep talking about COVID. I don't really want to. I think, you know, we, I think I got out of it what I was trying to accomplish was just like, look, empower yourself, you know, get, go, to, go to, you know, you've got a plan A, put plan B into work too, or vice versa, however you want to call it. Is there anything else we didn't touch on in relation to COVID that you guys, that you wanted to say? I just want to make sure that we, that, you know, for this time, we've got that on the table. No, I,
0: I, I think it was, it was broad and expansive, which I, yeah. that's what I was hoping for.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, Me too. Because like we don't want to get deplatformed. platform. I'll get the platform for something worse than talking about this. I hope. <laughs> um, so hey, let's let's switch gears a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun. We've been pretty intense now for a while. We've got some pretty. So we do a thing here uh, at the end of our broadcast called TLC Trivia, and you guys are playing for huge cash and prizes right now. Yeah. Did you know you're playing for Hello. cash and prizes,
2: Clea? I'm very excited.
1: Well, you're not playing for shit, so don't worry about it. I'm lying about the whole first part. <laughs> you're not playing for nothing. It's just it's literally just pride right now.
2: Pride, it's that just, means a lot just,
1: to me, so I, well, I, I love it. So I, So here's our first trivia question. What is the rarest <laughs> color in a bag of M&M's? Ooh, tough question to ask. It's function. been a while a since point. I've eaten
2: M&M's. I have to be Me honest.
1: too. I just find trivia questions. I just like this one. I thought this will stump everybody.
2: I'm going to go yellow.
1: Okay. I'm going to go brown. Brown yeah. is the winner. Only thirteen point five percent brown in a bag of M and There you uh, go, folks. Go. go to a bar. Guaranteed, you go to a bar. I'm coming for my guys. You're just exactly right. You go, you go to a bar. You fill that out. You're gonna get a free beer. Okay, here's another one. On a scale of one to ten, how strict were your parents? Kirsten first. I'll say six. Kalia, two. Oh, good God. wow. That's all right. I was going to say, give me some I okay.
2: I I'm really out. turned out fine, you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. I think you're okay. All right, let me ask this one. Claire, I'll throw this one to you first. When you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better?
2: Oh, I have so many options. I snuggle piglets. I ride the well, That's not
1: the answer I thought.
2: I make a green juice. And I play princess games with my kids. All of that will turn it around instantly.
1: Well, you had me on piglet. So I gotta be honest with you. I'm good. Kirsten, over to you.
0: I love that. Um, I, I tend to, I'm a huge coffee fanatic. We have a nice little Breville and Violetti and all these. So I love just if I'm in a bad mood in the morning coffee that it cures. Um, I also just love like, you know, I I found recently, I'm just going on long walks. Like if I need a break in the middle of the day, take my lunch, go on a walk. Listen to your yeah. podcast,
1: you know. Great. Damn right you do. We love you for that. Great
0: opportunity for that.
1: I love it. All right, Cleo, over here, next question. Who would you like to have dinner with, dead or alive?
2: Oh my gosh, I should have been prepared. This is like such a good icebreaker question. Um, okay, so this is just going to go back to me as a human that um, the, the doctor who um, encouraged me to become a naturopathic doctor. I was seeing her, she was an Ayurvedic naturopathic practitioner. She really encouraged me to, um, kind of, uh, explore naturopathic medical school. And she's the reason why I'm a doctor. She passed away the final year that I was in school and I never got to tell her like what she said to me in a visit six years ago, it really changed the trajectory of my life. So I would choose her. I would have dinner with her and, and just show her how much that impacted. And like, look
0: at me now, doc, it worked out.
1: Wow. That's a cool one. Kirsten, who would you have dinner with dinner a lot?
0: Gosh. the um, all, I mean, there are, so, there's so many that are kind of bubbling up to the surface, but one that I have just been um, really inspired by lately. I've just been like, jotting down every single one of her quotes is dr Brené brown um mm. she's professor phd researcher on compassion empathy, vulnerability all these right. things that um i think we're all feeling these days and it just speaks uh so clearly so much at home to me that i i would just love
1: to pick her brain all right well we're going to get her on the broadcast well let's do it we'll get her on the broadcast and we'll just uh, do a three gosh, and we'll just have a round of all, all four Done. We'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll reach. We're gonna. Re- we'll reach out. We'll try. It. What the hell? I got. I'm not afraid. We'll try it. Let's get her on. Why not? Okay. Final <laughs> trivia question. Final trivia question. Climb Mount Everest or jump out of an airplane?
2: Ooh, immediately. Uh, no.
1: And by the way, and by the way, you do have a parachute, so this isn't a bounce at the end thing. You, you do get a parachute.
2: I mean, I've seen enough documentaries that I'm gonna jump out of the airplane, but I'm gonna be so unhappy about it.
1: Good answer. That was a a little bit of a waffle, but still a good answer.
0: Yeah. I I was going to choose jumping out of an airplane, too, partly because I'm actually, I I really want to skydive. Like, that's one of my top dreams. i bungee jumped before, and it it was just, like, the most powerful experience. And uh, climbing Mount Everest, you don't always summit. It's a lot of, you know, you have to be comfortable with defeat and not, not, pushing yourself too hard and i i'd like to like complete it you know i'd like to jump out of an airplane land on the ground kind of
1: thing so well let the, in all fairness now but not every parachute opens either so there is still a little <laughs> bit of inherent risk of the vaccine i'm just saying <laughs> i'm not trying to be Captain Obvious, but i'm just saying you now there is that bounce factor with jumping out of a plane tell you what i'll jump out of a plane with you i'll okay. do it i'll step i'll step up i'll jump out of a plane with you Love it. i'm in not i am done it with. i'm terrified to death to do it but i'll do it <laughs> I'll do it. But I guarantee you, if we land and anything works out, we're gonna need Uber to get us home. I'm just all I'm saying right there, because we will celebrate. All right? We'll have a milestone moment. Ladies, I gotta tell you, K Squared, my favorite pop band. I mean, you K-squared guys are, you guys have absolutely crushed it. You you have been so open and so honest, um, and so inspiring to me. I mean, you guys have uh, you have touched my heart big time about this conversation because I believe so strongly and trying to help people and so strongly trying to uplift people and while i know your work is is big and i know your work you know it takes a lot to get where you are in this world you know in your careers this isn't that hard for people to lean into this is not we're not asking people to go you know build a building out of toothpicks we're asking them to just take a moment of pause and understand the choices that they can make every day that can empower them so i have one final question i want to throw at you guys you know the world changes Our food supply is changing Um, you know, foods can hurt us. Foods can help us. You know, we've touched on that. Viruses and diseases are always going to be here. They're going to progress. They're going to evolve. Um, and I and I hope truly in my heart, I hope people really truly take the time to digest this message, um, and and get on your website, get on functional fertility, get on the wellness dish, inquire, ask questions, reach out. You know, there's there, I always say there's no dumb question, right? There, there's just you know, there's just not. Um, so I have my final question to you, and and whichever one of you wants to grab it first, I don't really care. What's one piece of advice you would give someone wanting to empower themselves to make a change in their life?
3: Hmm.
0: I'll jump in. Um, I would just keep it simple and say, just get started. Um, Be curious and own your own story.
1: Love it. Kalia?
0: So
2: this advice, it sounds cheesy, and I just wanna come out, I wanna acknowledge that it sounds cheesy, so you know that I know. <laughs> what I tell people, I mean, is that you're worthy of this, right? Because when we start to do all the lifestyle changes, Todd, you've mentioned like it's not hard, but it's an investment of your time right. and your energy. Yeah. And to do that hard work, you have, to, you have to be able to anchor that into something. When we talk about motivational interviewing, it's like, well, why? Why is it worth it? Why do you care? Why do you want to make these changes? And I think at the end of the day, if you are worth something to yourself and you know that you are worthy of that investment, you're going to do it.
1: the mm-hmm. Sharpie kids. I can't top that. I can't top you too. You know, um, let's go make perfect decisions with perfect information and see what it does for our world. Right. Ladies from the bottom of my heart, I mean this, I mean, you have touched me deeply with this conversation. I mean, I really have. Thank you, thank you for being here. Um, we gotta do better for our country, we gotta do better for our planet and you guys are a part of that. So, thanks, come back, please, please come back. I wanna do this more with you guys. Let's get you over on our other broadcast topics and we'll do a short version, we'll just tackle some but let's do it. Cause this is so important. So, thank you,
0: Absolutely. ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.
1: Dr. Cleo Waddles, Kirsten Ramsdale, Go to their website, check it out. Empower yourselves, people. I tell you all the time, it's the most important thing we can do is inspire people and empower people. Thank you for watching. Thanks for being part of the conversations. We'll see you all soon. Take care.